Well, if you don't have the victory today, it's your own fault. <laughs> I, and I do hope and pray that by the time you walk out of here today, if you have a fear in your life, that you will have victory in that area. I want to ask you, if you would, to turn to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, as we talk about fear, the poison of the soul. I am uh, becoming more and more convinced that fear is an issue that is paralyzing individuals and families and even our nation. Uh, we live so much in fear since 9-11 that uh, we hear so much, we know so much that we're almost afraid to breathe. So I want to deal with a very sensitive subject and to be honest, if there's a person in this room that thinks they don't have something they fear, you're not being very honest with yourself and with life. But David said this in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war rise against me. In spite of this, I shall be confident. If I were to ask you today to take out a pen and a piece of paper and to write down on that piece of paper your greatest fear and bring it to the altar and ask God to deliver you from that fear once and for all, what would you write down? What would be the thing that would come to mind in your heart and in your mind that grips you, paralyzes you, makes your stomach turn, makes you wonder if God is really in control, makes you doubt your future? That thing that gets you. Now, there are some fears listed in your sermon notes today, and I, I'm not going to go over all of them. Most of them you can't even pronounce. <laughs> but I, I love some of these. The fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Now, folks, if that's your greatest fear, you need a life. You, the fear of flutes. Really? Jessica couldn't hardly come to church this morning because of the fear. people have the fear of flutes. She thought somebody would be afraid to see her. Uh, look at just look at some of these the fear of cockroaches hey i know how to get rid of those <laughs> call the exterminator or just wear a good shoe now don't anybody speak up the fear of your stepmother <laughs> don't anybody speak up on that one we don't need a testimony time uh, right now the fear of phobias <laughs> i'm afraid of phobias that's that one's strange the fear of long words <laughs> Duh. <laughs> now, some of these are real fears. Some of them are just somebody didn't have anything else to do except they found two people somewhere that feared these things and made up a word about it. But fear is legitimate. It is the opposite of faith. It is the opposite of operating by faith. It's a paralyzing problem. We have fear for our children the world that our children are being raised in, the world that they will inherit. 
We have fear for our health. Will the next trip to the doctors reveal that I have cancer or, or that I'm in the early stages of Alzheimer's? Will I lose my faculties? Will I end up in a nursing home where nobody remembers that I exist? We have, we have a fear of uh, failure and rejection, of criticism. We have a fear that makes us overly sensitive that everybody must be talking about me. We have a fear that we're not good enough for our spouse. Because of the number of divorces in America, there's a fear of divorce. There's a fear of children. Will my parents divorce? There's a fear among women of, am I still good enough for my husband? All kinds of fears that drive us, the fears that we know, the, the phone call in the middle of the night, and the phone never rings in the middle of the night with good news. The fear of a sound in your house when you're alone and you don't know what that sound is. The fear because something happened to someone that you're afraid that same thing will happen to you. Fear at its core is an acknowledgement that we really don't believe that God is good and that God loves us and cares about us and knows what will happen in our lives even before we know it and has provided His Holy Spirit for us to equip us and to strengthen us in those things that would otherwise destroy us because of fear. It, it, it's a feeling we all deal with, although we don't want to admit it. It's a fear of thinking that, gosh, there's going to be another natural disaster. There's going to be another 9-11. There may be. We couldn't stop the first one. We may not be able to stop the second one. But if you live all day in a huddle and in a, in a fortress and don't live life, then the devil has won in your life because he's convinced you that you can't trust God with whatever is to come. Uh, my son-in-law's dad has an incredible fear of flying. He, he, the last time he flew was flying home from the Korean War. He said he would never get on an airplane again. He overcame his fear of flying because he wanted to see Israel bad enough that he got on a plane, and his first trip on an airplane since 1952 was a 10-hour flight to Israel. As we stood on the Mount of Olives and looked over Jerusalem in the Eastern Gate, and he was there with tears flowing down his face, I turned to him and I said, Bill, was it worth the flight? He said, it was worth the flight. You see, you deal with fear by facing it. You deal with fear by acknowledging that you're dealing with it. And I, I got to tell you, my mother instilled fear in me. And moms, you need to be very careful about this. My mother instilled fear in me because I was adopted. She would say things like, you know, cancer runs in our family. And diabetes runs in our family. The truth of the matter is, she didn't know that. She actually built fear into me by lying to me. You never cause your kids to live in fear by not telling them the truth. 
deception leads to more fear. And so I dealt with fear. When Aaron was born, when Haley was born, at that point, we did not know that I was adopted. I was still, Terry and I actually had conversations because my mother twisted the facts about, I wonder if diabetes, since it has skipped me to this point, is going to jump to them because it sometimes skips a generation. We had wasted words, energy, and fears because my mother lived in fear that I would find out that I was adopted. Don't do that to your kids. Make them savvy about the world. Make them smart about the fact that there are evil people in this world. But don't try to be God in your kid's life, because when you do, you're going to let them down, and then in their minds, God's let them down. And they don't need to be in that trap. Stuart Briscoe said this, Culpability concerning the past is a skeleton in the closet of most families. And the sheer fear of having the skeleton rattles its bones out in the open is enough to frighten many people out of their wits. J.A. Bingle said, Anxiety and prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. Billy Graham said, Anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and His will for us. George Mueller said, The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Now, if you look at Psalm 27, you will see two basic sections. Verses 1 through 6 are dominated by faith. Here's a man who is in the middle of fearful situations, has learned to live by faith, and and he's declaring what he knows about God. By the way, when you're fearful, declare what you know about God. Don't Don't declare what you know about what you fear. You already know that. Declare what you know about God. In verses 7 through 14, the emphasis is on fear, and this is what he needs. This is a laundry list, which we won't take time to go into today. I want you to see, first of all, declaration of confidence in verses 1 through 3. In verse 1, he deals with the present. In verse 2, he deals with the past. And in verse 3, he deals with the future. Past, present, and future. Can I tell you, that just about covers everything you're going to face. That sums up life. David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. David says, no matter where I'm going or what I'm doing, the Lord is at the center of my past, my present, and my future. Now, I want you to look at it because there's three words I want you to write down by these verses. First of all, the Lord is my light. In other words, he's my guide. When I'm fearful, when I'm afraid I'm going to stumble, when I don't know where I'm going, God is my guide. I don't have to stumble around and mess up. God guides me. The Lord is my salvation. He's my grace. He gives me the grace to face whatever it is I'm afraid of. The Lord is my defense. He's my guardian. He's my guardian. So he's my guide. He's my grace. And he's my guardian. Pretty much sums up everything that I need. God is everything that I need him to be. Now, we live in a town with a lot of crime, 
and, and a lot of problems and a lot of issues, and we can focus on that. And if you read every little thing, and some of you, you open the paper up and you read all the list of all the robberies, and you sit there the rest of the day thinking, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next. The truth is, you can't control that. And some people think, if I just didn't have to live in Albany, I wouldn't have all these things to be afraid of. Can I suggest Atlanta? <laughs> Newark, New Jersey? Chicago? New Orleans? Listen, there are parts of New Orleans I wouldn't go into in broad daylight with two Uzis in my hands. Driven by fear. I, I remember when Terry and I moved, Erin uh, uh, was a little girl, Haley was uh, still inside the womb, Terry had not delivered yet, and we moved to Fort Worth, Texas. We left a nice, middle-class suburban church in Cobb County, Georgia, and moved to Fort Worth in the middle of a transitional neighborhood with high crime. I remember pulling up in our van on Lancaster, on East Lancaster in Fort Worth, and there was a prostitute standing on the corner of the church property soliciting people. And Terry looked at me and said, what have we moved into? We went to a rat-infested mission house, which is why our mission house has the standards and the quality it does, because I'm not going to put missionaries in the kind of place they put me in until we could get our house. My secretary and her husband showed up at church one Sunday morning, and I said, how's your weekend? W.T. said, now this is a couple that were in their 70s at the time. W.T. said, oh, he said, we were leaving the drugstore last night, got held up at gunpoint, thrown in the back of our car, driven around town. Uh, we were kidnapped for about two hours, and they finally left us on a street corner. I feel safe. I hired a guy from the seminary. He came to work for us his first night leading worship in the youth service. It was a Wednesday night. Drove home that night. A guy drove up to the window of his house as he was getting stuff together and shot him in the back five times and killed him. I've lived in areas where there's a reason to be fearful. Where we lived in total lockdown all the time. Where the door of my house had iron bars on the front of it so somebody couldn't get in. And one New Year's Eve, a lady tried to get in saying that her boyfriend had beaten her and she had blood on the side of her face. And I looked out and there were two guys sitting in a car at the end of the driveway waiting for us to open the door because she wanted to use the phone. I know what fear looks like. I have every member of my family in South Africa right now working the Zimbabwe border with refugees that have been raped and beaten and abused for hundreds of miles trying to get to safety in South Africa. I have no control over what could happen to them today. I could sit here and be in the fetal position about it, but the truth of the matter is God loves my family that's 17 hours away more than I love them. And God's watching over them and God's responsible for them because I can't do anything. I have to trust God. Okay? So fear, 
I mean, you got to declare some confidence at some point. You can sit here and declare your fears all day long, but this is, this is David's journey. And in fact, the Spirit-filled life is the life of getting beyond fear, to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, Paul says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. You see, when you fear Christ, you don't fear life. And when we are captured and gripped by fear, it is a sign that we've not yet fully trusted God with every aspect of our life. Because the truth of the matter is, whatever you think you can control, you can't. You're not in control. You're absolutely not in control. I talked to a pastor friend last night, and I asked him how one of his children was doing. This had some real struggles. He said, let me tell you something, Michael. I've realized, and this son is an adult he said, I've realized that I cannot control the actions of my children, but it has forced me to be a man of prayer. You see, the only good fear can do in your life is to get you to go to God with it. If it gets you to look to yourself or to look to things that you can fix and hold together or try to make things work according to the way you want it to do, then you are not living with fear the way God wants you to live with it. A healthy fear of God will remove other fears. Secondly, there's a decided conviction, and I want you to drop down because of time to verses 13 and 14. I would have despaired unless, you ought to circle that word. David said, hey, I'd have been fearful. I'd have been despair. I would have been anxious. I would have given up. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Now, I want to give you three verses to write down by the side of verse 14. The first is Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let us draw near with confidence. James chapter 5 and verse 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. You see, when I'm gripped by fear, I'm anxious and I'm disobeying what God has told me to do. God's told me to be anxious for nothing. Nothing. Moms and dads, that means your kids. It means your parents. It means your future, your job, your hope, your security, your health. Because the end of the day, you have very little control over that. If any. You have to trust God. Psalm 46 and verse 1, let me just read it to you. The Lord is our refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear... Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, Selah, pause and think about it. By the way, Psalm 46 is the, is the psalm that Martin Luther used to inspire him to write a mighty fortress is our God. 
been a lot of discussion about what's going on in politics this past week. A lot of really lousy, ungodly decisions have been made. And we could live in fear of that. But though the mountains quake, I will trust in the Lord. Hey, you want to know something, folks? Everything you're afraid of, God's already taken taken care of. It's under His feet. You say, well, why is God letting it happen? It's not for me to know right now. I just know this. There's coming a day, I've read the last two chapters of the book, when Satan is going to be cast into hell for all eternity, when everything's going to be made right that needs to be made right, that people are going to be judged that need to be judged, and people are going to worship God forever who have chosen to live their lives to the glory of God. All I know is that in the end, we win. I don't care who wins right now. At the end, we win. So whatever you're afraid of, whatever you would have written down on that piece of paper that you're afraid of, you need to give it to God because you're not doing a very good job of handling it. You may think you've got it under control, but you're one more word, one more decision, one more doctor's visit, one more phone call away from going in the tank emotionally. You need to let God take care of it. You say, well, that sounds real simple for you to say. No, you need to let God take care of it. You need to speak truth to yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and speak the word of God and quit looking in the mirror and seeing the panic behind your eyeballs. Let God speak to your heart. Martin Luther said, he who saved the three men in the furnace of the Babylon king still lives and rules. One of my favorite clips of our movies is from Facing the Giants. And I love this clip, and so I want you to see it as a reminder of the difference between operating by fear and operating by faith. (laughs) Coach, what are you doing here? You're at the state championship. What do you think I'm doing here? Anytime a former player would get this far, you know I'd be there. No, that blows me away. Well, how you feeling? I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, this championship, I, it's kind of surreal for me. Yeah. Well, I can promise you, I don't care what level of ball you're coaching, it's, it's surreal when you make it to the championship game. And Grant, I could just tell you, I'm so proud of you and what you've done. Uh, I've been reading about the team and and where you've gone, and, and more than anything else, I'm just proud of the fact that you finally learned how to win the big one. Well, we hadn't played them yet. Now, you won the big one when you accepted Christ, and now, as you're teaching these guys and minister to them, I think it's just fantastic. I got it. These players got it. Well, I can promise you, win or lose this game, you guys are champions. I appreciate that. But hey, while you're here, you might as well win it, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna try my best. <laughs> you know, this team we're playing, they're huge. Uh, They're fast, they're strong. I just don't want my players to be afraid. Well, in God's word, he said 365 different times, do not fear. If he says it that many times, you know he's serious about it, don't you? (laughs) I would guess so. I needed to hear that. Well, look, you're gonna do great tonight. I know you're busy. I'm gonna go up in those stands and cheer you on. Good to see you. All right, God bless you, man. Thanks, coach. Let me just talk to you for a minute, okay? God's Holy Spirit, if you'll listen to Him, 
wants to whisper to your heart, you're going to do great. Don't be afraid. And there's a great cloud of witnesses, according to Hebrews, that are cheering us on, who faced more fears and adversity than we have ever faced. Some of them died for their faith. Most of us will never be called on to do that. So parents, don't squeeze the life out of your kids by being so fearful that somebody will say something to them or be around them. Those are God's kids before they were ever your kids. God said to Jeremiah, before you were ever in your mother's womb, I got to know you. You realize that God knew your children before you knew your children? And God entrusted them to you because he thought he could trust them to you. Don't try to take them out of God's hands and make them more yours than his. Because at the end of the day, your children stand accountable to God. Teach them, train them, nurture them, advise them. But give them to God. Abraham had to bring the promise, the only promise, and lay it on an altar and be willing to die to him. Isaac had to trust God, and Abraham had to trust God. If Abraham can trust God as an old man with the child of promise when ordered to take its life, then you can trust God with your child. What about your health? Well, you can eat all the bran muffins you want to eat, but you're going to die anyway. (laughs) You see, it would change our view of our health if we realized that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Would we like to be healthy? Would we like to not have long, painful sicknesses? Absolutely. That's just us. That's life. Can we control it? No. We can't. I watched my mother lay in a diabetic coma for eight days. Stayed there almost constantly. Left and went, got something to eat, and she died while we were gone. And my dad was grieved because we had left to go get something to eat. And I had to say to him, Dad, you have to eat. We had no control over the moment. I had to go stand by that bed two days before my mom died and to tell her that I forgave her for deceiving me and lying to me all those years. And to die to my fear in an intensive care unit in Pascagoula, Mississippi. It was a choice I had to make. I could either stay angry and fearful and wondering and doubting. Or I could trust that God knew what he was doing. What is it you're afraid of? Afraid to get on an airplane? Afraid to get on a boat? Afraid to let your kids go out? 
afraid of your future, afraid you're not going to have enough retirement money, afraid that the government's going to change your health care and you're not going to get. Listen, most of that, folks, we can't control. Here's what we can control. I will trust in the Lord. I can control that. I can decide to take my eyes off myself and off my circumstances and off my fears and put my eyes on the Lord and trust in Him. doesn't mean that those feelings don't crop up. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm void of attacks in those areas. What it means is I choose to focus on God. Because at the end of the day, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Some of you came to church dressed to see people today, but if you were honest, there was a ball and chain attached to your foot of things and fears that you're dragging around. And part of the key to getting that ball and chain off of you is to take a pen and write down on a piece of paper and tell God, this is my fear that will no longer control my life. I will let you fill the void that fear has filled in my past. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Fear is out of place if we walk in the strength of the Lord. And so this morning I want to ask you, is there any fear that you need to bring to this altar? Is there any anxiety, any stress, any concern? And by the way, if you worry about it, it's because you're not praying about it. What is the fear that grips you? What is the fear that is taking you down? What is the fear that sucks the life out of you? It could be the fear of being found out. It could be the fear of confessing a need. It could be the fear of failure. Some of you, it's the fear of peer pressure. Take a thousand forms. I, I can sit here and name a million of them. Some of you have a fear that you're never going to be able to have a child. Terry and I lived with that for six and a half years. Tried everything, did everything the doctors told us to do. We know what that fear feels like. Some of you have your fears that your children are going to reject you. Some of you have fear because of what divorce did to your family. Whatever it is, just... Give it to God today. Don't carry it any longer. It's too heavy a burden. It's destroying you. It's crippling you. Don't carry it any longer. Heather's just going to play right now, and I just want to give you some time, just a minute, if you need to come down to this altar and just kneel to something and lay it on the altar before the Lord, that you would do that today. 
that you would allow God to take your fear, that thing that you would write down, and that you would place it on the altar before God, and that you would give yourself to Him and that fear to Him, that you would let Him be in control this day. I need some of our staff wives and some of our deacon wives to come pray over some of these ladies that are here at the altar. Anybody else need to come? Just to be honest. Just to say, here's Lord, here it is. I'm just going to lay it out before you. He already knows. He already knows. And the great thing about his knowing is he cares. He cares about what you're afraid of. Let him free you up today. Let him roll that burden off of you today. Let him set you free today. Don't walk out of here fearful when God has given you a double wide open door to take it off and to give it up. Anybody else before we pray? Some of you may be here and you've made a decision, but quite honestly, you're afraid that if you die, you wouldn't spend eternity in heaven because you don't know if your decision was just a simple prayer that you prayed or if it really, really was a life-changing decision. Don't walk out of here doubting your salvation. Don't walk out of here doubting where you will spend eternity. Find one of these men right now at the end of this aisle and say to them, I need to settle my relationship with the Lord Jesus today. I need to settle my walk with God today. I need to know that I know that I know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior today. Father, I pray this morning and we join in a chorus of prayers as we bombard the throne of grace that your mercy and your kindness that your grace and your love and your peace would fill the places and hearts that have been for far too long filled with fear and doubt and anxiety. Lord, we carry undue stress when we try to control our lives. We add undue pressure on ourselves and on those around us when we cannot release ourselves to your tender and loving care. Lord, you guard, you guide, you give grace. 
You're our light in dark times. David had known dark times, but he had seen the light of God in his darkest moments. Lord, you said fear not because that's a primary thing that captures us and keeps us from being all we should be in Christ. Lord, when you say do not be afraid, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. And with every command that you give us comes a promised power that allows us to live up to the command. Your commands on us are really backed by your promises. And so, Father, I pray that you would roll the burden of fear off of men and women and young people today. That you would lift the weight. That you would remove the pressure. And you would replace it with the peace of God because you are the God of peace. Lord, in agreement today, we know that Satan is the source of fear. He causes us to fret and to worry and to stress and to doubt. And he has no right, no authority to do that in the life of the believer. So, Father, in the name of Jesus and on the authority of your word, I ask you to take these that have brought their fears to the altar and that you would bless them with an overwhelming sense of your presence. We pray it in the name of Jesus who sets captives free.